Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Well, welcome. We're here. It's part three of this. Everybody say weird. That's weird. Uh, we look at things in life, and I mean, that's just weird. And normally, what we look at and determine is weird is something that is just unlike what we're used to. It's just, it's just not normal. And so, you know, as, as a kid, I remember, like, teacher, we, we look at a kid and be like, that kid's weird. And then my teacher would be like, no, we don't say names like that. He's not weird. He's, he's different. Yeah, I was waiting for somebody to say, he's a teacher. Um, they're, they're not weird. They're different. Yeah, they're different. And in life, we see all kinds of things that are weird. But here's the deal. When I look at a person who is truly devoted to Jesus, that person's weird by all cultural standards. That person is weird because Jesus even said early on that if you follow me, your life will be unlike that which is normal and other people will deem you weird. Look into this Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Like in life, this is like a metaphor. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many people enter through it. So like you got to think of life as a gate and eternity as a gate and life as a pathway. And he goes, I want you to find, I want you to find the narrow one. The one that not everybody chooses. Because there's a bigger one that everybody seems to easily find the flow of. But the next verse says this. But small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life. And there are only, a, everybody say a few. There's only a few people that find it. Now, now, again, we just determined that many times when you look at what's the majority, what's the popular opinion, that when you find that minority, you find that little one, you find that it's not weird, it's different. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just weird. And Jesus said that if you follow me, you're going to find yourself on a path that is unlike the path of the majority of culture. And that path might make you look just a little bit weird in the eyes of other people. And he's like, hey, I want you to know that's a good thing. And here's the deal. This weird kind of life that I'm talking about actually leads to an abundant life. And Jesus says all kinds of weird things. The Bible's full of all kinds of weird, weird sayings. It says that if you want to be great in life, serve. That seems counterintuitive. If you want to get more in life, Give more. That's different. That's, that's not weird. It's di- you're different. Um, that, that like, they would address certain things and say, you know, the most, most of culture is trying to figure out how not to kill their neighbor. I don't even want you to harbor hate in your life. Man. Let's continue. That's happened twice today, has it? But, but the Bible's full of all these weird stuff. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want, he, he would say, like, most of the world's trying to figure out how not to commit adultery. I don't want you to have lust in your heart. But, like, that's crazy. And, and all these different sayings and things and ideas. We talked about fasting last week. You start telling people you're fasting, that's just weird. Why would you choose to give up things in life? And for what purpose? I don't even understand. That doesn't even make any any sense that's kind of weird and and here's the deal again jesus is the one that said this weird kind of pathway actually leads to more life now i'm going to give you a new a new one today because today what i want to show you is that there are people who follow jesus and the way that they make decisions and choices is just weird like like if you're a real sold out christ follower you will choose and make decisions that just go contradictory to the way the world would think. And because and, we all are faced with decisions all the time, right? 
Every morning we wake up, we start making decisions on our way to work. We make decisions. We, we interact with, with people. We make decisions. I'm talking about everything from marital decisions to parenting decisions to moral and ethical decisions to work-related decisions, life-based decisions like career trajectory-type decisions. Life is just a series of making small and big decisions. But what I want to show you is this, is that a weird person, a person who's following Christ on that narrow road that everybody says is a little bit different, they just have a different criteria for how they make decisions. Now, I'm going to show you how normal people, because here's what we, de we defined earlier, is that if you want what normal people have, then just do what normal people do, right? This is why Jesus said the narrow path actually leads to life. He goes, normal doesn't always work. As a matter of fact, it's usually on a path to destruction. Normal isn't working, but if you want normal, just keep doing what normal people do. But if you want something different, something exceptional, if you want what few people have, eventually you'll have to change your mind, change the way you do things. Today, change the way that you make decisions. And if you'll do that, you'll end up having what few people have. Now, when I look at how normal people make decisions, here's what I've determined. Normal people make decisions, number one, based on success. And, and I'm going to say these things, and they're not inherently evil or bad. They're just, this is how normal people think. Normal people, now, and this is what I mean by success, is that when you get to a fork in the road, when you get to an ethical or moral decision, when you start thinking about what kind of a choice you're going to make in life, most of the time we just say, well, what's going to get me the most money? What's going to get me the most success? What's going to get me the most achievement? And, and what happens is, is that now progress defines what is right. Because forward progress is what I want. And doesn't that sound good? Don't you all want to be more successful, be well? I sound like a self-help guy for a second. You want to be more successful. You want to have more wealth. You want to have more of this and better this and go up the corporate ladder and retire early. and all. It, it all sounds good, doesn't it? And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's how normal people do it. That normal people look at it and say, when it comes to my decisions and my choices, what gets me ahead? What gets me further down the long? And, and that is what determines what is right then. And anything that would hinder my progress, that's then wrong. Because it's blocking me, it's stopping me. And sometimes the Christian version of this is, well, doesn't God want me to be blessed? And our version of blessed is just more money. Right? That, that's our version of blessed. And so God, clearly God wants me to be more blessed. And here's the issue that you're going to run into eventually. Is that when success determines your decision making, all of a sudden there's a new ethic in life. Like the ethics just change. Because this is ultimately why, like, like let, let me give you an example. Like, like if you're a student out there and you know that progress and achievement and success and forward motion is the criteria for how you make decisions, then cheating is okay. Cheating becomes acceptable. Lying, cutting corners, cutting some edges, uh, manipulating the system a little bit, all that becomes okay because if I don't do it, Todd, other people are going to jump ahead of me. And I know I want to be successful. I know I want to get the degree. I know I want to get the good grade. And so it's okay if I cheat just a little bit because if I do so, it just means maybe God can even bless me more in the future because I did really good it's going, I got the really good grade. Or it's the person in the workplace that says, you know what? If, if I know I might have to take credit for work that I didn't do, or I might have to cheat a little bit, or lie a little bit, or manipulate a little bit, or I might have to skew the numbers, or cut the corners, or lie on my tax returns, or whatever it is. But Todd, if I do this, I'll have more money to give to the church. 
And, and, like, and the, our ability as human beings to justify things is incredible. We are at our best and most creative when we're justifying usually what we know to be bad. And this is the deal. I, again, am I saying success is bad? Absolutely not. But when success and progress and achievement become the criteria, and it determines how you make decisions, all of a sudden there's a new ethic. The ethic is, whatever gets me ahead, that must be right. And that's just how normal people make decisions. And let's be honest, many times we fall into that same trap. It's easy to think, well, I know God wants me to be blessed, so I'll just, I'll just do this and do that. I'm sure he won't mind. And so I'll just do this. Now, the second way that people make success, it's, it's just the cousin or the, the, the different version of it. Because when it comes to making our decisions, sometimes it's not success that becomes, it's happiness. Happiness is a great criteria for, like, making decisions. Do I want this or do I want that? Which one makes me happier? Which one makes me more satisfied? And usually, let's be honest, too, many times it's in the moment satisfaction that we're talking about here. Because when we start digging down deep, and if, and if I were, like, the little angel on your shoulder, and you were the little devil on your shoulder, and we had a, a debate and an argument, we, I, if I started really asking you about long-term success, long-term happiness, we'd probably change some of our decision-making, but we get into that immediate happiness, immediate fulfillment. What's going to make me feel good right now? Because if it doesn't make me happy, why would I do it? That's ridiculous. That's weird. This is why when you look at how we are culturally when it comes to sexuality, it's whatever feels good, do it. Whatever makes me happy, do it. That's what we do in our dating criteria many times. Well, like they made me happy and they've got a lot of money, so I think that's a good fit. <laughs> they have a job. I don't know where your standards are. You know, I they have all their teeth. It's, it's you know. So, so, but, and, and they make me happy in life. I know some of us make decisions on the opposite end. We've been married for, for six, seven years. We're at that seven-year hump, and all of a sudden things aren't like they used to be, and it certainly ain't no honeymoon phase anymore, and now there's kids this and stress this, and he's not like he used to be, she's not like she used to be, and they don't make me happy anymore. Or we look at a job situation, well, I'm not happy. We look at maybe the, where our life is at, I'm not happy. And we start making really, really foolish decisions simply because in the moment we're not happy. And again, the problem is this, is when happiness is our criteria for choices, there's a new morality. Things just all of a sudden are decision making. And it's, now, let me ask you this question. Does, is happiness a good thing? Sure. Do I want you to be happy? Sure, I like you. I don't want you to be miserable. I'd prefer you to be happy. Now, here's the deal, though. Does God want you to be happy? The answer is yes, but yes, but never at the expense of greater things. Because here's what we're going to see is that ultimately, normal people, they make decisions based on progress and happiness, but weird people make decisions based on godly character. I ain't getting no amens up in this place right here. Man, this is, this is not a rah-rah sermon, and I get that. I, I, I get it. It's a, little, it's a little cold up in here for a couple reasons. So, but my, my point is this, is like this is how weird people begin to, to choose. This is how weird people really make decisions. When people are truly following Jesus on a narrow path that is different than how most of culture goes. Because again, it, 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 there's a Christian version to these. Number one, but doesn't God want me to be blessed? The other one would be, but Todd, doesn't God want me to be 
happy. And we start making terrible and foolish decisions and justifying them in the name of progress or justifying them in the name of happiness. And then we wonder why life doesn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. Long term, we didn't get the things that really made us genuinely happy. They were temporally making us happy. We didn't get the things that actually led to success. Sometimes they actually led to guilt and shame. And we wonder why it is. It's because we began to live just like the world lived, and we were no longer nor or we were no longer weird. We actually became just like the world that we were living in. Now, here, here's the deal. Let me let me help you because when I say godly character, your, your mind's going to go in a number of different directions. And what I fear is is that you're going to walk away and be like, "Oh yeah, I need to be better." That's not the point of my message. The point of my message is, yeah, okay, he wants me to be a better person. That's, that's not it at all. Let, let's define this, though. Godly character is this. Godly character, as we'll, we'll look at it, is this. It is the will to do what's right as God defines right, no matter what the circumstances. Let me say that again. It's the will to do what's right as God defines right, regardless, no matter what the circumstances are. I'm going to unpack that for a second. Here's the deal. Number one is this, is that there is a will thing. Like when we get into your godly character, we're talking about your choices and your decisions. We're talking about things that you have control of and you can go this way or that way and it's your choice. And it's your ability to kind of hone that in and have the the conviction, the sense of self-discipline, the sense of honor and commitment to say, God, I'm going to do what's right. As you define right, because here's what you need to know. It's real easy sometimes to do what's right as I define right. (laughs) Because when I start defining right based on progress and happiness, it is easy to do what is right. When I do what's right based on what culture or what pop culture or what media or music or movies or television says is right, man, that gets, that gets, I mean, I can do what's right all day. (laughs) I don't know what you watch, but it's easy, it's easy to do what's right. And this is, this is why you have to be really, really careful, because once you get outside of a, of a Christian worldview, right can mean anything that you want it to mean. But see, as a Christ follower, what you end up surrendering to is, is that I don't get to determine what's right, because God is the all-knowing, all-wise creator of the universe. He gets to determine what's right. I just, am, I just get to follow through with that. So it's not as I determine right, it's as God determines right. And it's, here's the deal, it's regardless of the circumstances. Because here's, every once in a while you're going to find yourself in a situation where like you're choosing to do what is right as God defines right will actually set you back maybe in your job. Because you say, no, other people are going to jump ahead of me, Todd. Because I know, it's so easy to be like, Todd, this is great, this is a good Sunday morning preacher talk. We'll feel all convicted, but you don't understand what I have to go back into on Monday. Todd, you work in a church where you work with saints, and, and everybody's good, and everybody's perfect, and you, I, don't, don't, just don't, just don't dismiss this yet. There's something about this idea of godly character, and what you're going to see today is that when you look at godly character, I know you value this, so don't be so quick to dismiss it. I'll prove it to you. Your issue might just be that you value it in other people and not in yourself. Because that's the easy way to do it. How many, let, let me, I'll make it really, really clear. I'm not so concerned about my character the vast majority of the time, but I'll tell you, I really want my boss to have character. I want my boss, bless God, to do what is right, what is fair, what is just. Even he didn't even believe in God. I want him to do right as God has defined right. How many of you want your neighbor to do what's right? You know, when the fence goes down and you, you got to both pay for the fence, and he says he's going to pay for the fence, but he don't pay for the, you want your neighbor to do what's right. You want your spouse, bless God, to do what is right as God has defined right all the time. 
right? So you care about it in other people. How, how many know, like, people of godly character, you want them to be your coworkers. You want them to be your neighbors. You want, them to, you're, you want your friends to have godly character, so I know you value godly character. Bless God, even atheists value godly character. Because if you ask them who they want to be their neighbors or who they want to be their boss, they want people of upstanding moral character to be around them. That's what I'm talking about. And so you value it, but here's what I know. We're, we're quick as parents. When we see like character issues in our kids, we're quick to address that. We don't want to see our kids going down a path and lacking that type of good, moral, upstanding, godly character. And so we're quick to correct it in them. And what I'm going to challenge you to do is this. Before we start correcting everybody else, I think what God wants us to do is take a look in the mirror and look at our own character. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible has this fascinating look from Proverbs chapter 11. It's just, it's just three verses, but it's three profound, super awesome, packed in verses. Let's look at them together real quick here. This is what Proverbs chapter 11, Solomon says this, wisest man who ever lived. The Bible says out of Proverbs, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Now, here's what that means. We, when we go to the store, we have a chip now, and I don't even like this thing. You used to swipe. Now you got to jam a chip up in there, and I still get thrown off, and I don't really like it, but when we pay, how many of you know when you stick your chip in the thing, and you pay $10 for a Starbucks, that, that ultimately what you want is, is that if they said it was 10 bucks, you want 10 bucks coming out of your account via that card, right? We want honest Visa machines. I don't even know what they are. That's what we really want. This would be the equivalent because when they went to the market and they were to say, I want this, this, and this, and this, they would say, okay, well, I need this much silver. And what they would have is they would have scales and they would have basically a weight system where they would basically, this is literal, they would have a rock and basically they would all try to find a rock that weighed the same and there was a set scale and a set standard for how much stuff weighed. And so if you had a, way, a, a rock on this side of the scale, then you said you needed this much silver or this much gold or this much whatever it was, then it would weigh out evenly on the scale. But if you were shady, if you were a punk, if you were a shyster, if you were a mean market salesperson, whatever, then what you would do is just go get a rock that weighed more or less or however you wanted to manipulate the market. Because if you had a rock that weighed more, they'd have to put more silver on to get it to balance out. And so this is the system that, that, that Solomon's looking at. And what he says is, he goes, I want you to know that whenever God sees something that, 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 that's that dishonest, that he detests it. Now, now, here's the deal. In the Bible, you find God not liking certain things, right? We, we, we find God, sometimes he, he's like, I don't like that, and I don't like that. And every once in a while, you'll find something in the Bible where it says that God hates something or detests something. It only comes out a few places in Scripture, and this is one of them. This detest thing is like, oh, this makes me sick to my stomach. I hate, it's gut-wrenching hatred. I hate this thing. How many of you got something that in your life? You know, they like, just, I hate it. This is the way God feels about dishonest scales. All that to be said is your character is not a light thing to your heavenly father. As a matter of fact, it might be outside of what you do in response to his son, it might be the most important thing to your heavenly father. So while your character might not be a big deal to you, but you care about everybody else, what God's saying is, is I care about 
your character. It's a big deal. He goes, accurate weights find favor with me. So as much as like dishonest scales, I hate it. I want you to know that when I look at people that say, you know what? When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through. When I speak something, I know I'm going to speak the truth and I'm going to speak honesty. When I tell somebody or I'm going to treat somebody right or however it works out, God says, those people, I look to literally splash favor all over them. That's what God, as a matter of fact, the other translation probably says it better. It actually says that God delights in the person with accurate weights. So we've gone from like gut-wrenching, ugh, yeah, to now it's the opposite. Like, have you ever seen somebody that you, you haven't seen in a while, but they're like one of your favorite people, and you didn't know you were going to see them, but then you see them, and then you just light up, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's you. And you get so excited just to see him again. You get that feeling? When God sees his children act with such incredible character, he's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. It's you. You get over here and give me a hug. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so, yeah. He literally, ow. Yeah. Two different emotions. The next scripture is this. Now, in, in Hebrew language, when they would do poetry, many times what they would do is they would take thoughts and sandwich them. This is a trifecta, and he sandwiches a thought here. So he's going to go one, put something in the middle, and then he's going to come back to the original thought. But the thought in the middle is a corresponding thing. I want you to watch this. So at first he's talking about honest scales or dishonest scales, meaning this idea of integrity and honesty, of godly character. And in the middle he throws in this. He goes, when pride comes... Then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And you would think, okay, well, how does this relate to it? And here, here's what I believe. When, when you really look at, like, godly character, what it requires is, it requires a level of humility. Humility is something where we don't, let me, let me correct the idea of humility. Many people think humility is just putting yourself down. It's not. God would never want you to put yourself down. What he encourages you to do is elevate others higher than yourself. It's like you're a 10. Make them a 10.5. Just elevate, encourage, bless, celebrate, lift other people higher. This is the idea of, of humility. And so I, I want you to get this idea that in life, when it comes to your decision making, what really weird people do when they're following God is, is they, they do this in their relationship with God. They don't put themselves down. They just keep elevating God and God's words and God's wisdom they just keep elevating it higher and higher. And this is what it requires for you to live with godly character. It requires for you the humility to say, God, I, I believe that your way is better than my way. That I believe, God, you're smarter than I am. I, I believe you have a better path than what I can figure out on my own. And so I'm going to keep doing things your way, believing I'm just going to keep sliding into more and more of your favor. This is the idea. And, and the opposite is true. He goes, for you to think any other way is really kind of arrogant. Isn't it kind of arrogant to think, well, God, you know, like, I get you said these in the Bible and in the Proverbs somewhere. Jesus said these. I get, I get that. But I kind of want to do this. And I think my way is better than your way. Doesn't that just sound arrogant? It sounds foolish, doesn't it? And we would never probably consciously say that. But how many times do we do it when it comes to our actions and our decision-making? We say, I, God, I know, I know, I know, but, but, but this is going to make me happy. God, I know the Word says this, and the Bible says this, and the Scripture says this, and I remember what Pastor said the other week, and I really kind of tried to tune out that part, but this is, what will, this is what will get me more success. 
This is what will get me more progress. This is going to be advancement and achievement. If I just, God, you don't understand my industry, I'll just go this way. And he goes, it's an arrogant thing to think that your way would be better than God's way, but it'd be a humble thing. And the Bible says there, there's a reward for it that God would give you wisdom. God would give you the ability to know what is right as you surrender to his ways. And then this is the third part of the sandwich. He comes back to the original idea, which was about honest and dishonest scales, which is integrity. It is what I said it was. It matches. It lines up. There's an honesty and an integrity to the scale and to the weight. He goes, so the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The other thing I find so true about this when it comes to life, as a counselor, here's what I find is the vast majority of the time when people come see me, all of their questions, when you lump them into categories, eventually the the number one question that I get in life is this, what do I do? What does God want for my life? What's God's plan for my life? What am I going to do next? They're looking for how do I make choices? How do I make decisions? What do I do in this situation? And what the Bible says is this, is that when you're a person of incredible character, And integrity, here's what I find. People with character and integrity usually are the best at making decisions because it's so easy in their mind. They're like, Todd, that's just simple. You just do this. It's like, well, God teaches this, so you just do this. I I know happiness and success and achievement, but I don't know how that's going to actually unfold anyway. I could do the deal and try to cheat, but I could get caught too. I could do the deal and try to do just what's fulfilling in the moment, but it could backfire on me. I I really don't even know if that's going to lead to long-term achievement. I don't know that that'll actually lead to long-term success or or happiness. I don't even know, but I do know this. I just know God's infinitely wise. And so I'll just trust Him and believe that God's going to guide me on a path that is better than anything I would naturally or normally choose for myself. And so they just find decision-making easy it all begins with god what have you defined as right because god if i'll just do what's right as you've defined right regardless of the circumstances because here's the deal sometimes in life you're going to find circumstances where like to do the honest and right thing might set you back and this is what's so different let's make a philosophical change here i I, want to challenge you on one more thought here a lot of people in life are smart And so they'll do the godly thing or the character thing simply because they're smart enough to figure out that if I do it, I'll probably not get in trouble and I don't want negative consequences in my life. Does that that make sense? Let me me give you a scenario. Let's say there's a a man or a woman who says, ah, you know what, I've got this situation, my marriage is this, and I met this other person, and and I could have an affair. And a smart person will say, well, I'm not going to do that because I might get caught, and then my kid's this, and my wife this, and da-da-da-da. I mean, the Bible even says... That to commit adultery is a, is a person that lacks judgment. Like you don't even see, you can't see the, 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 the cards unfolding even. That's, that's how in the fog you are. Even a smart person can recognize that. This is different. This is a philosophical change that I want you to see that is so radically different. A smart person would say, well, I'm not going to do that because I could get in trouble. And that's consequence and I don't want that consequence in my life. And there's a lot of that because sin has its own inherited consequence. You know what a truly godly person, a person of incredible character and integrity really says? Todd, I'm going to do what's right simply because it's right. It has nothing to do with outcomes even. It has nothing to do with the reward or blessing from God that I get or even the negative consequences if I go down a path of sin. It doesn't even, like that's just smart right there, right? To say if I do this, I'll be rewarded and if I do this bad and I get caught and get in trouble, I'll have consequences. That's just smart. 
The Bible teaches this thing that's so philosophically weird and different. He goes, I want you to do what's right, not because of consequences. I want you to do right simply because it's right. That's it. That's the reward in and of itself. Honoring God is the reward in and of itself. That is so different and so weird compared to anything else you're going to find in this world. And because of that, now here's the deal. You ever wonder why this is such a, remember I said this is outside of Jesus, this is probably the most important thing or one of the most important things that God looks at in your life. You ever figure out why? Two reasons. Number one is this. When you're a person of incredible character, God can trust you with so much. And trust is the foundation of all relationships. And so God wants to invite you in. God wants to bless you. God wants to use you to do great things. God wants you to set you up for all these things that will create happiness, but long-term happiness, and will create success, but we're talking about lasting and fulfilling and godly success. And he's saying, if you'll do that, I can trust you with more. But but that's just one step. You know, the other part of it is this. The other part of it is is that when you're a person of, of, of character and integrity, you end up having great relationships. Because how many know, like, a person that lacks integrity and character, they always destroy their relationships. Have you ever noticed that? Are you all okay? We're just talking, right? This is, it's 11.07, am I? I'm not, I haven't even gone long yet. This is, y'all are quiet up in here today. The, the person that lacks, you ever see that there's collateral damage all around them? The person that lacks character and integrity? Like, relationships just keep breaking down and falling apart. Things just keep messing up. And what God really, really desires is to have incredible relationship with you, And what God desires for you is to have incredible relationship with people around you. You know what that requires? Godly character. It's it's something that we all want. Now, here's the deal. Let's put a bow on this thing here. Here's the problem that I run into now. We've all determined that to have godly character is weird, but we've also determined that that type of weird actually produces that which is best. But it leads you to this question. This This is the best question that I can't answer. How do you get godly character? Like, how do you get, okay, Todd, I get it, but how, how, how do I get it, though? Like, how, how do I put that in my life? And the answer is, I, I don't even fully know. There are some people that seem inherently good and naturally born, and like, they just automatically seem to flow that direction. It's easy for them. Other people struggle their whole lives. I see people that struggle their whole life, but they gave their life to Jesus, and in a moment, they just turned it on, and something radically happened in them, and they, out of their honor for God, just so wanted to do that which was right, just simply because it was right. And if you're out here today, and you say, look, Todd, I really want to honor God with my life, but it's a struggle for me. Here's the deal. What I know is this is that you need to take multiple steps in your relationship with God. You need to draw closer and closer to God because the strength to do what is right, the will to do what is right, I believe only comes from Him. Because as I lean on my own strength or even my own default sinful nature, there's nothing in me that wants to do what's right just simply because it's right. It's easier to do what is wrong simply because it'll make me happy in that moment or get me some type of forward progress. And so here's the deal. For you to get character, there's no book that you can read. There's no seminar that you can take. How many know if there was a seminar, that'd be awesome, but we'd, we'd sign up everybody else and probably not go ourselves? My neighbor would be there. My boss would be there. My, co- my spouse would be there. Everybody would be I don't know about, I don't know about me. I, mean, I think mine's okay. Uh, but the reality is, is that, that we all want to have this thing. And he, here's what I, I wrote. Developing character. This is what I do believe. Developing character is a lifelong process that has gained one small victory at a time. There's something about you from this day forward saying, okay, I'm I'm in. 
All right, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to trust. I'm going to try. I'm going to give. I'm going to every, the will to do what is right is you have defined right. Number one is this, is you need to dive into God's words and determine uh, what is right if God has defined right. Let God speak into that. There's sometimes people come to me, they're like, I don't know what to do, pastor. What does the Bible say? I need some pastoral counsel. That's fine. Let's work that out. But you need to be able to start knowing what is right as God has defined right. And then praying for the strength and making, this is what I believe about one small victory. Because I think, I think victories build and they build momentum. And when you start doing what is right in the littlest moments and in the smallest things, that when you're faithful to that which is small, then all of a sudden you get to that next step and that next challenge, that next, that next fork in the road, and you make the right decision, that all those little decisions begin to build a momentum. That's the type of character that you want. But I'll leave you with this, because this is the prayer that I think we all need to pray, is this. God, give me the wisdom to know what is right, and the courage to do what is right, no matter what. That is the prayer we pray to say, God, I want to pursue honest scales. I want to be a man or woman of integrity. God, I want, because I, I, I know this, when I read the Bible, I see God looking at those people and be like, yes, I'm so, ex- I'm so proud of you. That one little victory, I'm so, I delight in seeing you. And in light of that, I want to give you more favor, and I want to give you more wisdom. I don't know about you, but I want God to show up big in my life. I want God to be able to trust me with more. I want to be able to see God bless me and shower me with favor and wisdom because I think God's got great things for me if I will trust him. Let's pray today. Today, God, we ask for the wisdom to know what is right. God, in those moments we're in the fork in the road and temptation is there and there's, the, there's a temptation to say, I, I can be happier if I do this or I'll get a little more forward, forward progress if I do that. God, in those moments, give us the wisdom to know what is right, but above all, God, it's the courage just to pull the trigger and do what's right. Even in the face of adversity, even in the face of challenge, even in the face of personal loss, God, help us to do what is right and in so doing, find favor and wisdom from you, God. God, today we declare we are not perfect. But God, today we declare we want to take a step closer to you. Father, help us to know you and to follow you in all of our ways, Lord. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we have a little big hand clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.